I'm going to start today in our message by reading the verses today of John 14, 12 through 14. It says very simply this, most assuredly I say to you, and this is the words of Jesus, of course, that he who believes in me, the works that I will do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And once again, he says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. You know, these are familiar verses to many of us, you know, quite unlike what we did uh, last week in Hosea chapter 10. Oftentimes, we don't come across Hosea, and there's rich gold in many of those places, those obscure places in the Old Testament and the entirety of the Bible. This being the opposite, this is, these are very familiar verses to us, but I was struck again by these, by the power of these as these came up um, in, the, in just my regular quiet time over the last several weeks and just struck by the power of this and just how amazing these verses are. And as we look at these, the truth in this, it's one of these times where we hear these verses so often um, in our life as a believer, we've heard these enough that the power and the punch of these verses can often be lost on us, as unfortunate as that may be. But again, Jesus says in verse 12 through 14, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And he says more than that. He says, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Look on the screen here as we kind of give you a summation of these verses. And don't worry if you don't capture it all. We're going to give you each sentence as we come to each of the individual points. But listen to this. If we totally, fully, completely, with the entirety of who we are, believe in Jesus and therefore completely commit our lives to him, not just at the moment of salvation, but it is true for every day of our life as a believer, we are completely committing our lives to him. Together, we will do all that he came to do and more. He will do for us whatever he asks that fits, whatever we ask that fits within his character, his spirit, and his mission. Lord God, as we come to you now, to your word, as we reflect upon the truth of these verses, God, as we pray each week, may we not look at them in some sort of a vacuum. Or we may look at them, maybe we not look at them as something that is written in a, a decorative piece of paper hanging upon a wall, but may we see that this is life-engaging, life-changing, daily truth. Daily truth. That may we come to these verses as we do throughout the entirety of Scripture, whether it's during our time together in the worship service, or whether it be in our Bible studies, Lord, may it be in our, whether it be in our small groups, our own quiet times, or whether we're gathered together with coffee for friends sharing the word. When we come to your word, may we remember and may we live our lives based upon the truth that it is truth. These are your words to us. And therefore, we can base and we can live our lives upon it. 
In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The very first thing that we're going to see, our first point, is the same as the name and the title of this passage. It is simply greater works. And really grasp the magnitude of this. Greater works. Listen to this. If we totally believe in Jesus, and as we're going to talk about, it's more than mental assent, right? If we totally, completely believe in Jesus and therefore completely commit our lives to him, together we will do all that he came to do and more. Do we believe that? First of all, he says, most assuredly I say to you there in verse 12. What it means is he says, you can take this to the bank. We know that anything Jesus says, we know that we can take it to the bank. But he says, as he often does, when he says, most assuredly I say to you, he's saying, listen up, open your ears, because this one you can take to the bank. Most assuredly I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I will do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do. But first of all, he says, he who believes in me. Now, again, this isn't just mental assent. We know that this is the same. The same way we come to faith in Jesus Christ is the same way that we continue to live in him daily. When he says, he who believes in me, it's not just a general mental assent or just a general sort of belief that there was a, a historical figure named Jesus, and he lived in Palestine, and uh, he, he did some neat things, and he had a following of people, and yada, 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 on and on. I believe that Jesus, I believe that there is some sort of a person named Jesus. This is more than mental assent. It is believing that he is exactly who he came to be, that he was God the Son, the third person of the Trinity that came and wrapped himself in flesh, was born there, we celebrate Christmas, was born in a manger, was raised, and he walked in holiness and purity. He had three years of a holy, pure life, uh, 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 of a ministry rather, and then ultimately he went to the cross to die for our sins. He was buried and he rose again, proving he was exactly who he said he was. He was the son of God, come to save the world from their sin and redeem mankind. And believing is believing even more than just, again, just sort of a vague understanding. Like, yeah, I think that can be true. That sort of belief is not some sort of a belief that we can blow off, but it is a belief that requires action. It is a belief that requires the greatest decision and commitment that any person can ever make. It is the decision and the commitment to commit our lives unto the Lord Jesus Christ and surrender our lives unto him. That's what happens at the moment of our salvation. We give our lives unto the Lord Jesus Christ, but that is also the way we continue to live. It means that we must live and trust him completely in all that we do. Trust completely all that he says and all that he calls us to do. Trust, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 118 verse 8 says this, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man. What it means is that God is the, is the only one who is perfect and pure and always trustworthy, the one who is always right. And so it is far greater to place our trust in him and what he says and what he calls us to do than what the world tells us to do. And guess what? It is greater to trust in God than to trust in the man in the mirror as well. Psalms 56 verse 3 says this, And whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. 
One of the benefits of faith and trust in Jesus Christ is not just that we surrender our lives unto him and we see that all that he calls us to do in his word and all of the truth of his word is exactly that. It is truth and it's true for all of life and it is, it is what makes life make sense. But also the more we do that, we trust in him when we're afraid. We quit trying to solve problems on our own and realize that we have a, a really poor batting uh, average in trying to solve issues and solve the problems of life on our own, but we come and we trust him even in the midst of difficulty, knowing that life's not going to be perfect, but we trust in him. So how do we continue to do that? How do we grow in that faith? Romans ten seventeen says this, so faith then comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We come to ultimate saving faith at the beginning of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ by the word of God, the truth of the word. It comes by hearing the word of truth and responding, but that's also the way that we grow in daily faith, by hearing the word of God. As I just mentioned, the more, if you were to, if you were to say to yourself, God, give me the, the strength that I need to completely and perfectly commit to your word, say, pick a period of time, say for a month, you would realize perfectly and completely how absolutely true God's word is. I'm going to do it your way, God, and I can't do it. There's no way, even as a person who has been made new and made clean in Lord Jesus Christ, the old nature still hangs around, so God, I need your help, but I'm going to do, I'm going to commit to doing it your way, your way, no matter what my heart says, my mind says, or what the world tells me, and you will see that God's way is truth. God's way makes sense of the world. So he says, who, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And listen to this. He qualifies it even further. And greater works he will do. How is this possible? We say to ourselves, how is this possible? Do we grasp the magnitude of what Jesus Christ is saying? This is the son of God on earth, the one who is limited uh, in nothing. There is nothing that limits him outside of he limited himself in flesh, but he is the perfect, pure, limitless God. How is it possible that he says to those following him that greater works you will do? First of all, he's saying just by, very practically, by design and scope, his ministry, he was wrapped himself in flesh. It was three and a half years in one particular area of the world. He says, by my power, and we're going to look at this later in another week, but in, in, in the later section here in, in John chapter 14, he says, if I go, I will send the Holy Spirit, that being the third person of the Trinity, I will send the Holy Spirit to you that he might imbue you with power and you might go out in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. He says, if I go, the Holy Spirit will come. And in a practical sense, my power of the, in, in the the power, my power through the Holy Spirit will go out with you as you go and you proliferate the gospel into the known world. I will be with you and go with you. So do we believe this? Think about this. I mean, we talk today and, and during, our, during our time of welcome, uh, and, and as we talked about those 500 breakthroughs and we pray through this as well, we think about that as individuals and we think about this as a church. Do we believe, do we truly believe in the power of God that he goes before us? And yes, you may say, you know what? I have a heart for this person that I know. And I realize that this person, they will spend eternity separated from God. And my heart breaks for them. But God, I don't know 
what to do. I don't know how to start a conversation. I don't feel like I have eloquent words at all. I don't feel like there's even a foothold that I can make. Do we believe that the power of God goes with us? Do we believe that he will give us those opportunities? Do we believe that he will give us strength and courage? Do we believe that even as our voice is shaking there, that that as we speak to someone, that they're not going to be thinking, they're not going to be left with our voice was shaking about this, but they're going to be left with, there's something that this person is telling me, this person that loves me, obviously, there's something that they're telling me, and they feel passionate about this. There's something to this about this person of Jesus Christ. He says, the works that I do, that person will do also, and greater works than these, than what Jesus did, he will do. And he says, because why? Because I go to my Father. Again, how could it be that we could ever think that we would benefit more from Jesus Christ leaving this earth, or that rather his mission will be proliferated in a greater degree because he left this earth? And the reason that he did is because he says, even in our weakness and our frailty, Even in our weakness and our frailty, he gives us the power of his Holy Spirit to go out and we can do far greater things than we could ever do on our own. Do we believe that? In the midst of a in the midst of our church that is, that is revitalizing as a church, do we believe that? Do we believe that if you go out and we do our parts as individuals and we do our parts together as a church, do we believe that God, that we will see some great things happen? Do we see that we will see greater works? Do we believe it? Do we believe that we'll see revival, greater works, greater works? But then he continues in verse 13, and he tells us essentially just ask, just ask. In verse 13 and 14, he says, and whatever you do in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in me. That I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Again, folks, listen to this. It's going to be on the screen. Write it down. He will do for us whatever we ask that fits within his character, his spirit, and his mission. Whatever it is. You know, we think about requests that are made, and oftentimes we see strange requests that are made. I love this. uh, Some of these strange requests that come, these are comment cards from the Bridger Wilderness area in Wyoming. Uh, These were gathered up for several years, around the mid-90s, and here are some of the strange requests that you would see. Again, the Bridger Wilderness area in Wyoming. So here's some of the requests uh, that people made. Trails need to be wider so that people can walk along holding hands together. That's a good, that's a good request, right? They said trails need to be wider so that people can walk holding hands. Listen to this. Trails need to be reconstructed. Please, avoiding tra- please avoid trails that go uphill. <laughs> You need to reconstruct them. Avoid the trails that go uphill. Yeah, that's a great one. Please pave the trails so that they can be snow plowed during the winter. What a request that is, right? Chairlifts need to be put in some places so we can get to the wonderful views without having to hike to them, right? Isn't that the whole point of trails, right? The coyotes made too much noise last night and kept me awake. Please eradicate these annoying animals. What a request that is. I I love this one. A small deer came into my camp and stole my jar of pickles. Is there a way that I can be reimbursed? (laughs) Escalators would help on the steep hill sections, right? So they want escalators instead of the the trails. A McDonald's at the trailhead would be nice. (laughs) Yeah, probably, right? Yeah. And And then I love this one, the final one. There are too many rocks in the mountains. 
man, what in the world are we going to do with that? A strange request, right? We think about strange requests, and we often will say, well, gosh, is this request that I'm going to give, is it strange? Will the Lord really answer my prayer? He says, and whatever you ask in my name. Now, again, when we're kids, right, we've, if those of us who have grown up in church for a number of years, we remember probably hearing this when we're kids, and kids are, are, are so, so literal and black and white. And you, the first thing you think is like, okay, so if I ask for like a room full of bubble gum, God will give that to me as long as I say in the name of Jesus. Or, you know, as we get older, I can just ask for a pile of money, you know, as long as I say in the name of Jesus. No, the, praying something in the name of Jesus isn't some sort of a rubber stamp or some sort of a magic incantation or we sort of wave a wand of his name over whatever we ask and therefore he is obligated to do it. Not at all. What does it mean to ask something in the name of Jesus? It means that we ask it in his character, in his mission, in everything of who he is. You understand the first century, the name of a, a, a king, the name of a potentate, or the name of a deity, in this case, meant something extremely important. They equated the name of whoever it was, of whom they were requesting, they equated that name with the person's character, spirit, and power. Did you know even our, our Hebrew brethren from, from what we see in the Old Testament, um, those in the Old Testament, they would not even say the, the name of, of God, Yahweh. When they would read in their scriptures, they would actually put the vowel points underneath the scriptures of Adonai, of Adonai, another name for God, because they believed that that name carried such power that they would not say it in open forum. And so they would put the vowel points, and you see this under some of their ancient writings, to remind themselves to say the name Adonai. The, the name, and when they would talk about the name of a deity or a king, it equated one's power with their character, spirit, and that power. So when we think about saying something and making a request and praying in the name of Jesus, it's not a magic spell. It's not a magic incantation. What it means to pray in the name of Jesus means that we are lifting up a fervent request that fits the character, the heart and the mission of Jesus Christ. That's what it means. So when we lift up, Jesus says, absolutely, if you pray anything that fits the character, the motivation, my mission, and my heart, that I will do for you. He says, that I will do. Think about it. If we are on mission for him, if we are living as missionaries in our daily lives, and we are being his willing instrument, why would he not honor our requests? Philippians 4, 6 says this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Colossians 4, 2, as Paul is again writing to the church at Colossae, as we think especially about that mission and the heart and the motivation of Jesus Christ, he tells them, Paul, as he's writing to that church at Colossae, again, he says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. He knew that prayer wasn't just some sort of little sidelight thing that they were supposed to do. It wasn't just a punctuator at the end of meetings, but it was something that was absolutely necessary for them being on mission because they were calling upon the God on high to go before them and not do what they wanted to do, but the God they said, we know that this is in your heart and your character, Lord. Do what you will do. Let us be your instruments. Let us be the willing instruments in your hand. 
He says, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You know, many of you have probably heard, or maybe some of you rather, have heard of the uh, 18th century or 19th century scientist Michael Faraday. He was an English scientist that was brilliant, but he was self-taught. Uh, he, he didn't have the same access to some of the great uh, learning and, and opportunities in school that others did, so, but he was brilliant, and he sought uh, knowledge, and he wanted to learn. He worked as a, in a, in a bookbinding shop, and so any of the discarded books that were there, he would, he would just uh, take those, and he would just, uh, just dig into those books, and he was drawn to the sciences. In fact, as we see, much of what he did, it was self-taught, and his experimentation was self-taught, and he made some extremely uh, important electrical discoveries. But what does he say? He was one that was also had tremendous, strong Christian convictions, biblical convictions, and he was an on-fire believer for the Lord. What did he say in his dying breath? In his dying breath, after all of his discoveries and, what, uh, and reaching fame and for himself, he says, I bow before him who is the Lord of all. His dying breath, he says, I bow before him who is the Lord of all. Isn't that different than what our world says? Our world says, do what you do for your own fame and glory. That's sometimes in moments of clarity. Sometimes in moments of clarity, they will say, you know, do good things for others. And that's great. I think that is some sort of a remnant of just the common grace that we still see in our world. But really, what motivates people at the deepest level is oftentimes getting and gaining for self. But this man who had great fame and and accomplished great things, he said in his dying breath, I bow before him who is the Lord of all. You see, Jesus Christ, he said that anything you ask in my name, I will do. And why? That the Father, that his Father, Yahweh, might be glorified in the Son. You see it all throughout his ministry, this sort of motivation dripping from the prayers of Jesus Christ, that the Father might receive glory that the Father might receive glory. You see, when we think about anything, ultimately, whether it be uh, those that we're praying that are represented on this board or those that you're thinking about now or whether it be that we're praying as a church that God might do great things through our church, it is not ultimately for our glory. It is not for the glory of of our church. It is ultimately for the glory of God. Ultimately for the glory of God. And Jesus Christ again says, whether or not we question, whether we question it, or he says, whether you're almost essentially whether you are thinking about it and whether you're wondering again if it's true or not, he doubles down one more time. And in verse 14, he says this, and if you ask anything in my name, that what I will do. In case we're unsure or in case we're doing that typical human thing where we try to take back the reins of our own life, he says, anything you ask in my name, I will. We'll do it. Folks, again, if we totally and completely believe in Jesus and therefore completely commit our lives to him, action, action, action that speaks to the true heart of what we believe, together we will do all that he came to do and more. He will do for us whatever fits in his name, character, spirit, and mission. Do we believe it? Do we believe it? Let's pray. Lord God. As we come now and during this time of prayer, Lord God, as we go out from this place in a few moments, may we truly see again that we are entering your mission field. And we do. We wonder why, Lord, would you use us? You tell us that we have this treasure in jars of clay, and we know we, 
We, we know that, that we are jars of clay. We sense that nature. We sense that we are fragile and we are weak and we are not the vessels that, that we would think would be chosen to take this message. But you tell us that the treasure is not the vessel. The treasure is the good news, the gospel. The treasure is the truth of God's word. So God, as we go from this place, Lord, may you give us and remind us, give us remembrance of that power within. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.